Hi, I'm Mike. And I'm Matt. And welcome to Going Pear Shaped on AudioEntropy.com, a podcast where we talk about just kind of whatever we feel like. Hey, Matt. Hey, Mike. You had something you wanted to talk about, didn't you? Uh, yeah, so I was playing the Ghost Recon Wildlands beta, and it's okay. I, I, I think Ghost Recon Wildlands might be like the most 7.5, given, the, given what I saw in the beta anyway, might be like the most 7.5, 8.0, just it's an... <laughs> It's an Ubisoft open world game. Okay. Yeah. But anyway, I was playing that game, and I was trying to figure out why that game was making me so angry, because I I couldn't place it at first. It wasn't anything to do with the presentation, although the writing is typical Ubisoft dog shit. And it wasn't anything to do with the actual game itself, but then it hit me. Ghost Recon Wildlands is kind of the end point for the Tom Clancy series where they've taken every all of those old Tom Clancy games like they've taken Rainbow Six, they've taken Ghost Recon. I don't even know if there were anything there were any other games other than Ghost Recon and Rainbow Six and they've just they shat on them. They shat all over them. And I didn't realize how much I loved those old games until I played The Division and until I played Wildlands. So, Mike, have you ever played any like of like the old tactical shooters, like the old Rainbow Six games, anything like that? Uh, nope, not a one. Okay, so the old Rainbow Six games, to summarize, were... How would you best describe them? I guess you'd describe them as Hollywood Authentic, where they weren't simulator-style games, they weren't designed like that, but they did have a definite degree of realism to them. So those were the sorts of games where... If you got shot, you were probably dying, and if you weren't dying, you were crippled, and you were probably moving at half speed, if you could even move it at all. Like, it was the sort of game where you got shot and you were immediately incapacitated, that sort of thing. Okay. And I was thinking, those games don't exist anymore. Like, Hmm. tactical shooters in general don't exist anymore. I haven't played an actual, honest-to-God, like, genuine tactical shooter in... Oh my god, SWAT 4 came out in fucking 2005. Jesus Christ. Wow. Okay, so so okay. what's uh what 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 uh what is it about this kind of shooter that appeals to you? Okay, so the short of it is, I guess the short and long of it is a not loose not not super firm, but at least a somewhat focused grasp on realistic presentation and realistic mechanics. I.e., you move slow, you die very quickly, all of your enemies die very quickly, um, collateral damage is not tolerant. So, let me just give you an example of something that happened in SWAT 4, because I think that'll summarize this really well. So, in SWAT 4, I was playing a mission that was a hostage, bank robbery gone wrong turned into a hostage situation, yeah? The setup of the level is several armed bank robbers have broken into a soft have broken into a software like a data center basically and have taken hostages it's your job to subdue all of the bank robbers and ensure the safety of the hostages yeah yeah so sounds in, about right so in that level i start the level i go in i clear a room but i get hit in the leg by some fucker with a glock 9 so i'm now crippled and i'm now moving at half speed And when you're in heavy body armor and you're moving at half speed, it takes you a motherfucking eternity to move up and down flights of stairs. There are four goddamn levels in this data center that you have to move up and down fucking flights of stairs. So after meticulously clearing every single fucking room and securing every single weapon and securing every single hostage and either incapacitating, arresting, or killing every single suspect, I get to the end mission screen. 
I failed that because I had too many unauthorized uses of lethal force. I did not present the suspects enough time to surrender, and I failed as a result. Because in SWAT 4, you actually need to adhere at least somewhat to police procedure. I.e., you can't just open fire in rooms with hostages because in that game, bullets will ricochet and pen and can just kill hostages outright, which is bad. Um, you need to at least present the possibility of surrender, and you can't use lethal force if you haven't presented the possibility of surrender. And because I used lethal force, because I didn't want to fail a mission I had spent 35 minutes clearing every fucking room in, I failed that level, and I had to redo the entire goddamn thing. And the weird thing about that is I actually fucking love that, because I have that really weird story where I spent 35 minutes clearing rooms, but I was a little too trigger-happy, and I lost as a result anyway, even though I quote-unquote won the level. Those are what tactical shooters are like, essentially. Games where stuff like that can happen. Nice. Man, I'm just choking back a really sarcastic, like, man, the fantasy of video games. Yeah. And and consequences for just opening fire without... Yeah, I know. That's crazy playing SWAT 4, because I even... Even before getting into, like, the more dubious aspects of police action, I guess we'll call it police action, I think that's, like, the best way to say it, police action in the year of our Lord 2017 in the United States, in what fucking situation would you not be allowed to preemptively open fire against suspects armed with AKs and body armor in a hostage situation? Where you think there's like well, I think hostage situations. Uh, to be to be honest, to be to be fair to the game, I think the hostage situation is the one scenario in which they'd probably not want to open fire. That's actually something in that game. That game also simulates is they will actually if you don't if you let suspects in that game flee, they will attempt to take hostages, even hostages you've previously secured. And if you fuck up there and you like fire at them and miss, sometimes they will just panic, shoot the hostage in the back of the head, and you'll lose. The game actually accounts right. for that. Yeah. Um, also, other things in that game, another way to kind of show off like what that game is all about. Um, you want to know what one of the equipable... So you have your usual roster of equipable items. You have like submachine guns. You have like non-lethal options like beanbag shotguns. You have sidearms like a 1911, a taser, that sort of thing. You, wanna, you have like tear gas grenades. You want to guess what one of the items you can take in that game is? Um, it's, let, let's put it this way. It, it's something to do with doors. Uh, oh, like the uh, thing that... What is that fucking thing? The thing that rams a door down? That uh, battering ram thing? It's, it's, yeah, it's literally just a ram. That's okay. it. <laughs> An actual no. literal male sheep. No, not quite. Um, You can take a door wedge. Do you want to know why you would take a door wedge? Uh, To open a door? No, you take door wedges to lock doors up so hot suspects that you have ordered to surrender cannot flee the room because oh. if you let suspects flee they'll either run and warn other people or they'll try and take hostages a lot of times and you don't want that to happen hence you wedge a door before you clear the room okay yeah but like i mean i'll be honest i've never been on a swat team so i don't know how that works <laughs> yeah uh, weirdly enough i actually went and did some research about that game so there's a weird thing about that game where your team's really, really bad at clearing rooms, and this is actually related to what I just brought up, your team's really, really bad at clearing rooms, because when they drop, like, a stinger grenade, or they drop, like, a flashbang grenade, they typically drop it within five feet of the doorway. 
The reason they drop it within five feet of the doorway is that is actually how you are supposed to use flashbangs in room clearing situations in real life. Like, I was actually really curious, and I looked it up, and you can find U.S. Army training footage with fucking U.S. Army infantrymen training with flashbangs, and they clear almost identically to how you clear rooms in that game. And that's the kind of authenticity and, like, realism I'm talking about, is it's a game modeled by people who were willing to put gameplay over realism, but still wanted to make a game that was, well, researched, I guess. Something relatively authentic. Something that felt real. Something that felt real and at least, and actually put effort into feeling real. Like, you can fail really easily in that game. I've failed missions because I shot at something with a submachine gun loaded with full metal jackets and a 45 pen through and it hit a hostage and killed them and that is an instant mission over and just stuff like that it's it's one of those things where it's really kind of damning when you contrast it to modern shooters because one of the things that made those games so memorable and made those games so fun in contrast to games that weren't as insanely punishing like i don't know call of duty even like good games like doom and titanfall 2 and those are actually good games, but one of the reasons I find SWAT 4 and I find games like Rainbow Six 3 so much more memorable is there is the opportunity at all points in time for immediate and catastrophic failure. And when you fail in those games, it can be a big time sink. Also, sometimes it's not really that big of a time sink. It depends on the level. But you just, you kind of just don't get that with modern shooters. Like, again, I'm going back to Titanfall 2 here, even though I love the game. In Titanfall 2, if you die, you get spawned at the beginning of the fight, and you maybe fight for, like, 30 seconds up because you get checkpoints. There's no fucking checkpoints in Rainbow Six. There's no fucking checkpoints in SWAT. You fuck up a level, and you're going back to the beginning. And if you fuck up a level, it was probably your fault. Probably. Not always. You add that to the fact that, like, enemies really can and will shoot, kill you in one hit. And, I don't know, like... Shooters just feel like they've become more homogenized, I guess. Is that the problem? Because it feels unfair to, like, bash on Titanfall 2. Titanfall 2 is not the fucking problem. That game's fantastic. I I think it's more that people don't want games that, that do, like, the thing you're talking about. That thing where you'll fuck up and you'll just lose, like, half an hour. Like, people, I get- like I think I think we're getting to the point where the game industry sort of realizes that a big part of its market is adults have like jobs and shit and don't want to spend like whatever their half hour an hour that of spare time in an evening that they have maybe and just waste it by just you know like fucking well i mean there went all the progress i could have possibly made there it goes down the fucking drain maybe but i'm going to offer totally this is a totally personal anecdote and this actually warrants more discussion but when i was growing up those were the types of games that my dad liked to play. Those were the types of games that my neighbors and my friend's dad liked to play. They liked playing slower-paced tactical shooters because they weren't as twitch-oriented. Oh, no, Those I'm, are- I'm, I'm, I'm not saying the market doesn't exist. I'm just saying, like, if, if you're going to invest in a shooter, and let's face it, the only kind of shooter just about these days is the AAA shooter. If you're going to dump millions and millions and millions of dollars, actually, I think billions at this point, into a game, you're going to want it to reach as wide an audience as possible, and I feel like having that, like that thing you're talking about, where you know if an, a mission can take half an hour and a fuck up loses you everything, even if it's not your fault, yeah, like that's that's going to hurt that mass appeal. And yeah, I, and like yeah, homogenized is probably 
it's probably another less charitable way of putting it. Yeah, and that seems harsh because Doom and Titanfall, I, I'm using those specifically because I do actually like those games, and also I played a shitload of both of them because I like both of them. But even as good as those games are, they don't scratch the same itch. Also, I feel like that might just be like a AAA problem in general, because the thing about a game, I don't think you'd get like a new Ghost Recon, or not the kind of Ghost Recon I want, fuck Wildlands. But a game like SWAT 4, you can just have like a two-story house with a couple of people, like a handful of character models in it, and that's a level in that game. That's like a full level. Because you have, like, a hostage, you have, like, a couple of, like, junkies or gangbangers in there, and you have, like, I don't know, maybe, like, a random passerby, or, like, just a random person in there, or, like, a compliant suspect or something, and that's a level. You don't need a multi-million dollar budget to make a game like SWAT 4 or Rainbow Six Three nowadays. Especially not in a world with Unity, because the, I feel that the people who like these sort of games, i.e. the people like me, the people like my dad, are willing to put up with slightly lower production values as long as the core game offers something worthwhile. And I feel... I feel like even an indie team could do a game like that, because you have indie teams doing games like Fury, and doing games like, um, fucking, what's the name of that really good stealth game where you play the god? Sticks. Where you play Sticks, Masters of Shadow, that are, like, mid-budget games that are, like, kind of AAA, but not really. Or, like, anything Atlas has ever published, ever, would be another example of that. I don't know, it feels like there's really a market for these games that they're, no one's currently fulfilling? Or, I don't know, maybe I just like these games and I'm bitter that they're gone. What, well, those things aren't, uh, aren't mutually exclusive. I guess that's true. Uh, yeah. I don't know, it's just, it's weird to me, because the games back in the day were critically and commercially successful. They proved those games could be critically and commercially successful, and then they just died. It's actually kind of like the same thing that happened with, like, big-budget survival horror, where big-budget survival horror just sort of died, but unlike big-budget survival horror, indies didn't pick up the slack with the tactical shooter. And I mean, you did, you occasionally do get stuff, like, and, and credit where it's due, um, the new Rainbow Six game, even though it's not really a tactical shooter, is at least a really, really good multiplayer shooter that kind, that has a Rainbow Six feel to it, at least. Eh. Um, other things, like, games like Red Orchestra 2 and Rising Storm actually get relatively close to what I'm looking for, but they're purely multiplayer experiences. Not that there's anything wrong with that, they're fantastic games and I highly recommend them, but they are purely multiplayer experiences when the kind of game I more want is, like, a single player, maybe randomized, like, SWAT, maybe more, maybe more just pure level memorization design based, like, Rainbow Six, kind of a different kind of two different approaches to the same genre. Both of them worked really well, but sort of a different feel to those. But I don't know, You know, man. honestly, that might actually be one of the things that's kind of hurting, kind of keeping that genre you're talking about from coming back, is the push for every shooter has to be multiplayer Multiplayer, now. yeah. And if you're in the AAA space, I don't think you're allowed to do that anymore. Even in, like, you need some sort of fucking integration or something that you can push for the multiplayer access so you can put push season passes and shit like that. But again, I, I find it weird because no one in the indie scene sort of stepped up. And admittedly, you still have people in the indie scene who like stuff like that. Door Kickers and, like, Frozen Synapse are both games clearly influenced by, like, Rainbow Six Three. Um, and the Rainbow Six series as a whole, really. The earlier ones, the pre-2004, like, 2005 Rainbow Six games. 
Um, but yeah, I, I feel like this is almost like it, it might wind up being like a Stardew Valley situation where nobody fulfills that niche and then somebody eventually comes along and it's like, huh, there's no game like this. I should make a game like that. And then winds up making a game like that and it does gangbusters. Or maybe that's just wishful thinking. I don't fucking know. Maybe. We'll see. Yeah. I, th- I think we're still getting to the point where the indie scene is still not super, like, ready to make, like, big 3D games yet. Yeah. And like, I, we're, I, only, we're only, like, this is kind of off on a tangent, but we're only just getting to the point where, like, oh, indie 3D platformers are starting to come around, you know? Yeah. And, like, I mean, that's a, and that's actually a good example of, like, a genre revival as well, because for a long time... You had Sega that made, like, really shitty 3D platformers, and then you had Nintendo making the good ones. Well, not really shitty. Sonic Generations was fantastic. Colors was supposedly good, never played it. Um, And that was basically it. But now you're actually starting to get actual 3D platformers coming out of the indie scene. And a lot of them look really, really promising. Yeah. I'll actually be interested to have that conversation in, like, six months when we can talk about, like, a hat in time and ukulele and all that shit. Yeah, is ha- man, I really hope a hat in time actually does come out sometime soon. I, I really I feel do like that's too. been like on the on like I feel like that's been cooking for a few years now. It has. I think it's been cooking since like late twenties or something like that. It, that yeah. game has been a long time coming, and I'm not saying they're being too slow or anything like that. Quality. No, like time. obviously that game's taking a long time to make for a reason, but yeah. And like it, the early it, is, it has been a known entity for a very long time now. I guess is what I should say. Yeah, and I want to fucking play it because it looks awesome. Um, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, and I mean, maybe that sort of thing needs to happen with tactical shooters. Maybe it never will. I don't know. It's just fucking weird that a genre, an entire fucking genre that was proven to be critically and commercially successful just fucking vanished. Like, completely. It's just gone. You don't get single-player tactical shooters anymore. It doesn't happen. Yeah, I, well, I don't know. Maybe there, Maybe there's one out there that just never got enough press and you just don't know about it. The only one I can think of was a game called Red Saber. It was like something, something, Red Saber, something, something. Um, that was an independent tactical shooter, and it wasn't very good. Um, it was a textbook example of a Kickstarter gone wrong because the team behind it underestimated the budget they were going to need, and that, well, that was that, really. Uh, that's a bummer. Maybe they eventually patched it and made it good, I don't know. But, like, otherwise, like, I've kept... Because, like, after, when I started thinking about this, I, like, went around and I started, like, asking questions and searching and I couldn't find anything. And I'm not saying I'm perfect. It's entirely possible I overlooked some really good, like, diamond in the rough. Like, fucking Freedom Planet. Nobody fucking knew about Freedom Planet until, like, a year after its launch. And that game was fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Fuck, that game was sweet. You want to talk about badass indie platformers? Fucking Freedom Planet. Yeah. Oh, Um, man. The, played the demo for two. Two, it's so good. It's I don't so like, good. I don't like Nira, but it's so good. Fucking yeah, Nira, Nira feels like she's she's supposed to, I guess, be like the bruiser character, but it's a and and like I get it. Freedom Planet is about the combat, like that's really good, but it's also it's also kind of a Sonic homage. So like it's supposed to be fast paced. It, it's she's, basically she's kind of slow and clunky. I know, like, basically those games are designed, like, really, if you, I know you've never played the Mega Man X series, but if you ever played the Mega Man X series, you would immediately realize, like, where the combat from those games come from. The obvious difference being you don't take contact damage from some enemies in Freedom Planet, that's not a universal thing. You do in Mega Man X, I know that, shut up, that's a difference. But, like, the combat in those games very clearly, even by Stevie Dodaro's own admission, very clearly influenced by the Mega Man X series. Uh, Which is a good thing, because the Mega Man X games are great. 
by and large. Yeah. Not all of them are good. Yeah. Um, but, but, um, so, so I haven't played really tactical shooters. And in fact, I didn't really play a whole lot of sh- shooters back in the day, really. Um, uh, mostly cause I wasn't really a, uh, I wasn't really a PC gamer and as the consoles I was playing, on didn't really have shooters. I mean, uh, I, I didn't really have an N64. I mean, there was an N64 at my dad's house that we had a couple games for, but I, I didn't really play a lot of that, so I never played GoldenEye, I never played Perfect Dark. The only uh, shooter I was really exposed to in uh, like prior to my adult life was Halo. And uh, I did That's- play a lot of those fucking 16-man Halo LAN parties because uh, one of my coworkers was fucking rich and just invited a bunch of people over to his parents' mansion uh, <laughs> where, we, where we had the fucking... And we had the whole fucking setup. Four Xboxes, uh, four TVs, uh, Ethernet cables fucking everywhere and this, like, ridiculous web. All these fucking controllers are like, yeah, we were able to get the full, like, 16 players a couple times. In fact, more than that, so people had to sort of swap in and out. And nice. uh, that was fun. Uh, the downside was, awesome. with this particular group, is everybody wanted to snipe all the time, and I don't know if you're familiar with the original Halo and its original Oh, I, I'm, I am intimately familiar with it. Sniping Halo. was fucking overpowered because all the maps were so open, so if you couldn't snipe, like me, you were kind of fucked. Well, some of the maps were too open. Other maps, like that terrible fucking, like, do you remember that shit fucking map that was just like a maze with a bunch of teleporters? Hey, uh, hold, hold that thought, dude. Someone keeps knocking on my door. Okay. Okay, sorry about that. Go ahead. Okay. Um, no, I was going to say, I am intimately familiar with Halo. Do you remember that one terrible fucking map in the original Halo that was just like that rat maze with a bunch of fucking teleporters and tiny cramped ass rooms? I feel like that describes a couple of maps. It, this one in particular... Let me find the name of this map, because this map sucked. It only ever appeared in Halo 1, insofar as I know. Um, and the reason it only ever appeared in Halo 1, it is probably the single worst map ever put. What is it? It's not Prisoner. It's Chiron TL-34. This All right, let map. me let me look this up, because I do not remember... It is here. I have it right here for you. Let me paste it. It is an absolutely shit-awful map. Insofar as I know, it has only ever been in a single Halo game. It is the worst Halo map I've ever played. Free. Oh, yeah, I think I remember this map. This, yeah, this fucking... It's, you remember this map because it's a map everybody played one time, went, what in the hell is this garbage, and then never played again. Ever. For any reason. Because it was bad. Yeah, I'm trying to think what some of my favorite maps were. I think my absolute favorite map uh, and way of playing, I really liked playing um, all rocket launchers on, I think it, I think it was called Hang 'em High, that map that's like, it's it's like this giant room and there's just a bunch of fucking pillars everywhere. Yeah, those pillars that were like five, that were basically like seven feet by five, four feet by four feet, where you could like confidently hide behind them, but they weren't like super great cover. Yeah, yeah, Those yeah. Ones? Yeah, that was Hang 'em High. Yeah, that was my favorite. I, that was my favorite map, and I loved playing with just everybody on fucking rocket launchers. Because again, I couldn't aim, and everyone I was playing with were snipers and shit. So yeah, yeah, 
No, Hangem High was fan. Hangem High is a great map. That map was definitely a fan favorite. Um, other good maps: Blood Gulch, classic. Sidewinder, also classic. Yeah, um, the, th- the thing with Blood Gulch was, um, again, if people were sniping and you weren't sniping, that was a pain in the dick. Yeah, um, Blood Gulch was, and I can't remember. Hang'em High, it was, like, oppressively bad. Blood Gulch at least had, like, the teleporters in the side caves. It was still dicey. It also had vehicles, which Hang'em High didn't. So it was still dicey in Blood Gulch, but in Blood Gulch, you did have some recourses to sniping. In Hang'em High, if they got the sniper rifle and they got on the top of that map, you were just kind of fucked, and they were getting six kills yeah. at least. Um, it, it, um, because, and because, again, everybody, um, everybody I played with were big on sniping, they were also really big on that one map that's, like, it's like two walls facing each other. Oh, Infinity. Infinity, yeah, that's the one. Infinity was actually like a relatively small map too, but it, they had those like fucking like beams that you could stand on and just shoot the fuck out of each other. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, man, Halo, this is making me seriously nostalgic. There were really only eight maps in the That can't be right, can it? I, I don't know. Hold on. Let's see. Halo... There's no way that's right. I don't. I'm scrolling through this like this fucking fan wiki here. Okay, let's see multiplayer maps. Oh no, there were more. There was like derelict and all that. Okay, let's see. Battle Creek, Sidewinder, Damn. Oh, Damnation was a really good one. Rat Race, Prisoner, Hang'em High, Chill Out, Derelict, Boarding Action, Chiron, Blood Gulch, Wizard, and Longest. Prisoner also, yeah, I remember Prisoner. Yeah, now that I'm actually looking at these, like, each one of these, I'm, I'm remembering them. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'd forgotten Fuck, about... the original Halo was really good. Yeah, I'd forgotten about Wizard. I always liked Wizard. I was the only person in my, like, clique that liked Wizard, but I liked Wizard. Man, it didn't... Isn't the most recent Halo... Wait, is, is Halo... Did Halo 5 happen yet? Yeah, Halo 5 happened and was pretty good. Is it um, on PC? I don't know. I'm trying to remember if they ever actually started putting Halo on PC. I think there was a thing where they were going to be like, yeah, we're going to start actually putting the series on PC. It's going to be Windows 10 exclusive, but we're actually going to do it. Um, and like, Apparently, it is on PC now at some point. Huh. Apparently, Halo 5 got on PC at some point in some capacity or another. I, I kind of want to try and jump back in, but I have to imagine that series is way different now than what it was when I was playing it in Halo 1. It is different. It's not that... Di- okay, so the biggest thing... One of the... They actually recently... So, only two things have really changed that much. Three things. One is, obviously, there are a bunch of new weapons and vehicles. Whatever. That's to be expected. The two biggest things that changed were... Halo 4 added a sprint. Whatever. And Halo 5 added a jetpack that essentially just gives you, like, a double jump. And that's really it. That series huh. has largely, like, in terms of, like, game feel, that series is almost identical to how it's always felt. And I don't know, maybe if your reference point is Halo 1, there's probably a bunch of things that seem a little off because they've probably changed it a tiny bit in each iteration, and I just haven't noticed at all. Totally open to that, but by and large, I think if you liked Halo 1, you'd probably still like Halo 5. I don't know. Okay. Uh, maybe, maybe I'll maybe I'll look into it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, man, fuck. Halo was really good, though. Halo was sweet. I remember having those sixteen-man LAN parties as well. In our case, it's just because everybody around us just had Xboxes, and if you had an Xbox, yeah. you had Halo. Yeah. Like I mean, uh, uh, and again, we'll get to. We had all these questions about fucking Goldeneye, but like, man, Halo, fucking Halo. Man, 
talking about weird like nostalgic childhood games like the the thing that originally like sold my family specifically my dad at on halo is i can't remember the exact story but they had like an xbox or like his coworker had an xbox and he was like talking to him about it and he was like oh have you played that new halo game and he's like no and he's like you can you can like you you can get into vehicles there are actual vehicles with like guns in the back and like if you get in the passenger side of like like the jeep vehicle that has like a 50 cal in the back you can the the guy in the passenger side can actually like fire his own weapons independently of like the driver and the gunner and that like blew my dad's fucking mind because that was a huge innovation back then you yeah, didn't it was. have you didn't have vehicles that actually like operated somewhat like vehicles where you could like shoot out the windows and you could like if you hit like the guy in the passenger side you hit the guy in the passenger side and you could like shoot the guy out of the gunner but like the passenger was still there with his own gun and that was crazy that yeah. was crazy at that time you didn't get shit like that yeah man halo really was a fucking game changer yeah i mean we we got a question about that later and we'll we'll get to it um but yeah, anything else you want to talk about tactical shooters or shooters in general? Um, play Rainbow Six Three, play SWAT Four. Um, I'm really curious to see if go- the old Ghost Recons hold up. I'm imagining they probably do. Okay. Um, yeah, I miss tactical shooters a whole lot. I'm fucking bitter that the Tom Clancy series become the fucking shit pile it has. And yeah, I think that's about it. Oh, with the exception of Siege. Siege is okay. I like Siege. Okay. Yeah, like what is what is what is the deal with Siege? Okay, uh, Rainbow Six Siege is a five v five multiplayer game, um, competitive shooter. Um, it's asymmetrical, which is actually really interesting, um, and I like that. It's very Counter Strike esque in that sense. It uses character classes like Overwatch or like any game that uses fucking character classes, um, and it's it's really good. And it actually feels pretty unique in the shooter market, mostly thanks to the really, really impressive destruction physics that actually meaningfully impact gameplay. So in Siege, Siege is a game where, with the exception of certain walls, like, every wall can be blown open, every sort of, like, door can... Well, not really door, there aren't doors in that game because they didn't want to fuck around with that. Where, like, every obstacle can be destroyed... The bullet physics are really, like, really, really good. Like, let me put it this way. It's a game where you can take a light machine gun and you can ventilate drywall and you can see and look through and actually, like, see through every single fucking bullet hole you put through that drywall. And that is actually meaningful because you can see when you ventilate a wall, you can see somebody moving on the other side and you can punch through with high caliber weapons and kill them. Um, okay. otherwise, I, I guess the best way to describe Siege would be the game everybody who got frustrated with Counter-Strike Go, which it's not surprising to see why people are frustrated with Counter-Strike Go, because it's basically become a weird combination of, like, a kind of clunky but still pretty good tactical shooter and also a weird borderline illegal child gambling ring. And I wish I was fucking kidding when I said that. Um... If you were frustrated with Counter-Strike Go like I was and like my younger brother was, Siege is the game a lot of those people moved on to because it has a lot of the same game feel with the super short time to kill. It's actually even lower than Counter-Strike. And like the five-man, you get killed and you're out for the round sort of gameplay. But it has a lot of innovations and it has a lot of things going for it that are either different from or, in my opinion, superior to Counter-Strike. Um, so yeah, I like Siege. I think it's pretty good. Uh, 
but it's not a tactical shooter, really. It's just a good game that at least reasonably feels like a Rainbow Six game. Okay. Yep. All right. Um, yeah, sorry, sorry if it feels like I'm just saying okay, but, like, I don't really have anything to add to that. No, that's so. all good. <laughs> um, but, yeah, you ready to go with some questions? Let's, let's answer some questions. All right, cool. Uh, this one is from Mitch. Uh, it says, first-person shooters are usually the AAA domain. What are your ideal indie? What would your ideal indie FPS trend look like, and what would you like to see from them? Literally, what I described in this episode, and I think you could do that because tactical shooters again don't require as large of a budget because you can make the environments a lot smaller and have it still and still have the game feel you're looking for. When you only have to have a dozen enemies each stage and like half a dozen or some odd, like you're looking at like anywhere from like ten to fifteen enemies a stage. And that's, and I'm actually not pulling that number out of my ass. That's actually the average number of enemies in like the later levels and like the harder levels in SWAT 4. You will very, very rarely ever face more than 20 enemies. Um, you can have 10 to 15 enemies a stage. You can have half a dozen hostages. You can have maybe say a squad of five. Like you're looking at like 25 character models at most. You put them in a like three story house or like office building or something like that. And that's an entire level. That, that's a level right there. Now, admittedly, SWAT does something where it has, like, some procedural generation on top of that, where it'll, like, randomly place, like, where the hostages are and where some of the enemies can be and that sort of thing. And that probably takes some effort as well. But, like, if there's anything the indie scenes show it's good at, um, they've made some really damn good procedural generation things. I yeah. don't know a whole lot about it technically. I know it obviously takes some work to make a good procedural generation engine, but... I feel like that's something you could realistically do with a smaller team and a more limited budget. And you I, can make I, it I feel like we've gotten to the point where procedural generation has gotten to where it's actually become kind of a uh, tool that helps kind of the indie scene make a bigger game these days. Yeah, and like so. the th- and the thing about SWAT Four, and this was something even back in two thousand five, people praised it for, is they praised it for its higher replayability because like you had to be, even when you were playing levels. You couldn't take anything for granted. You had to, like, wand under doors and, like, check and mirror under doors to make sure that there were, like, no hostages in them before you just went in guns blazing. And you had to, like, you had to, like, check corners and you had to play carefully, even if you were playing levels. And I think that's something that could really, really benefit a smaller team because, again, you can have a more limited, you can have a more limited map pool and it'll still make for a highly replayable experience, which SWAT 4 is. That game is, that game definitely incredibly replayable. Okay. Yeah. Um, mine is just literally make Ratchet deadlocked. Just do <laughs> it. Like so. So basically, it, 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 I know this is a shooter episode, so I don't want to get too much into a platforming series. But so basically, Ratchet, the Ratchet and Clank series after the th- after the th- after the third game, um, they made Ratchet Deadlock, which is sort of this weird spinoff that's mo- that leans very heavily on the weaponry, and it's basically an arena shooter. Um, and then I, I guess. I guess it wasn't as big of a hit as Ratchet Three, so Insomniac was like, "Well, okay, that didn't work. Let's go. Let's go back to basics." But I actually really, really liked that game in particular, and I just, I just want another one like that. Yeah, just, just give me fucking, just a cartoony like run and gun shooter with like a bit of an emphasis on simple platforming, and all the weapons are super cartoony, and you have access to all of them at any given time. Yeah, and just. I, the thing is, I just really like the way the physics work in Ratchet and Clank in particular. Yeah, because, the, plat- like, the like, platforming be- and physics in Ratchet and Clank games just feel right. And I hate the fucking term feel, but like the weight the character has 
And yeah. like the you can tell they play tested the shit out of the platforming in those games because yeah. the weight and like your jump arcs and how much distance you get with jumps and how much mobile you are feels absolutely perfect. And that ex- that extends to the weapons and the thing is because it is a shooter that evolved out of a series that started as a platformer, it has a very unique feel to it compared to any other shooter. Yeah. Like, there is, near as I can tell, there's nothing fucking else out there that's like Ratchet Deadlocked, and I, I, want, I want someone to make another fucking Ratchet Deadlocked, and Insomniac isn't going to do it, so please, some indie game, make a fucking knockoff off-brand Ratchet Deadlocked, please. That's what I want. <laughs> Yeah, I I remember Ratchet Deadlock being a game I liked but didn't love, and I think I it was largely for the same reasons that a lot of people kind of not bounced off, but were sort of like eh on that game. And that's this is good, but I want more just normal Ratchet. Yeah, which, and I, I, and, yeah, which admittedly might that. be kind of the wrong approach, but eh, I think I what kind of helped for me was that I had someone to play the co-op with, and that's the yeah. that's the only I I think that well. No, they were, they eventually made like that all for one and all those weird fucking spinoffs. But like for for the most part, like that's the, that was the only like, you know, I'm playing through a Ratchet and Clank game with a partner. Like this is a co-op game, and it's it was real good. Yeah, it was real real good. Um, okay, so this one's from Kendall. What is the best first-person shooter for the N64? And he specifically brings up GoldenEye and Perfect Dark. Now I. As I mentioned earlier, I d- I've never really played a shooter for the N64, so this is going to be all on Matt. Yeah, uh, it's Perfect Dark. I don't think it's even close. I think it's got to be Perfect Dark. Even with the absolutely fucking atrocious frame rate on that game and an N64 game with frame rate problems, what a fucking surprise. I, like, Perfect Dark actually holds up relatively well. Like, I played that game, not super recently, but probably like a few years back, the 360 port of that game, and aside from some weird jankiness and some stuff that could easily be smoothed over, like, the design of that game largely holds up pretty well. The weapons are still crazy awesome. The way that game handles difficulty is still one of the most ingenious things I've ever seen in a game, and I'm fucking bitter that more games don't handle their difficulties like that. Wait, so um, how, does, how does it handle difficulty? Okay, so it handles difficulty two ways. One, it does the average thing where enemies are more alert, they shoot faster, they deal more damage, blah, 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 literally the way. The second thing it does is it actually adds objectives or makes existing objectives more complicated. Where, let's just say maybe in one level, you need to eliminate one person and then you need to hack into a computer terminal. I'm just pulling this out of my ass. On a higher difficulty you might have to eliminate the person without being detected and hack two computer terminals instead. Something like that. That's how Perfect Dark handles difficulty. Where it okay. actually like changes how the levels play out. Which, again, huge boost to replayability there. Alright, cool. Yeah. Okay. Uh, this one is from friend of the show, Jules. It says, Is there one first-person shooter that you weirdly know all the lore about? <sighs> I don't think so. My older brother was like Jules in it of, of the fact that he, much like Jules, also knows, just knows everything about Halo somehow. Motherfucker probably spent like a thousand, over a thousand hours playing that series, huge Halo. Um, no, all Wait, I didn't know Jules was into Halo. Jules is super into Halo. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's a good series to be into. Uh, it's typically pretty quality. Uh, Halo 4 kind of sucked, but pretty good, so, eh. Um... 
I don't think there is. I think Halo's the closest thing, and I know I've got gaps in my knowledge there. Okay. Yeah, I think it's probably Halo, but not really even there. Oh, man, I I don't think there's a shooter that's where that's the case for me. Like, there are some games. Wait a like, minute, I mean, something we know all the lore about. Does Monday Night Combat count? Oh. Because if Monday Night Combat counts, then I can actually confidently say Monday Night Combat. Yeah, same. Fuck, Monday Night Combat. I mean, we are, we already did a whole fucking episode about how much we miss Monday Night Monday Combat. Monday Night Combat. But, like, bring back Monday Night Combat, you fuck. I keep a fucking list of all the people who play and enjoy Overwatch who said that Monday Night Combat was imbalanced. And I read that list every fucking night. Straight-faced. That's, that's unsettling. I don't actually do that because that would be really creepy. Like, way creepier than my normal creepy. But, like, yeah... Shoutouts to all the people who complained about Monday Night Combat being imbalanced because each team had two mandatory picks and then didn't complain about Overwatch's balance. Big thumbs up there. Fuck off. Okay. I'm mostly uh, just bitter that MNC died. Yeah. Give me some yeah. space. <laughs> uh, next question. Uh, this one is from Jordan. Uh, different Jordan from usual. Um, what makes you think makes... I'm, I'm a good talky-talky person. That's why I host a podcast. Yeah. Um, what out. What do you think makes a person prefer the Y-axis invert? And I'll tell you what. It's because there's something fundamentally wrong with them. You see, I was going to say they played a lot of flight sims. Because that was okay, the reason the, that all the, the people... That, that we're, just, we're just saying the same thing a different way. Um, <laughs> wow! <laughs> that is really uncharitable towards people who like flight sims. For, like, what the fuck? No, I'm, I'm, I'm. I'm I, I know I'm you're kidding. just fucking. I'm I know kidding. you're just you, fucking you, around. You do, you do, you. I don't, I don't want to yuck anybody's yum. I just, I just, I just <laughs> I know, goof. No, I know you're just fucking around. It's just like that came out of left field. Like, bitch, what the fuck? You, you set me up for that. Like, I, I kind of had to. Oh, now you're shifting the blame, you, really? No, no, you, you. no. You, you put, you set up the fucking t ball, and I was like, all right, fuck it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna. <laughs> Fucking hit it. There we go. Oh, God. Yeah, okay. I'm, go- I'm gonna go with flights. They played a lot of flight sims. That's it, in, in my experience. Lots of flying games. Okay. Uh, this one's from Emily. Uh, she asks, Goldeneye or Halo, which do you feel had more of an impact on console shooters? Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, now, I'm a bit biased, but I think I'm gonna lean toward Halo. I think I'm gonna go with Halo as well if only because i feel like halo had more of an impact on shooters as an entire genre like there are things that halo did that went back and affected shooters on pc then in turn went back and re-influenced sh- uh shooters on consoles again goldeneye's basically whole thing was can we make a shooter on a console work at all which i mean is a big fucking deal but no one there weren't like there wasn't a flood of GoldenEye clones or anything, to yeah. my knowledge. To my knowledge, either. Although it's been a long time, and that's a little bit of a blind spot with me. So fair enough. I'm also gonna go with Halo, mostly for the reasons you stated. But both of those games are tremendously influential, and I could easily see the argument for GoldenEye. Yeah, I mean, in fairness, again, I'm biased. Like my first instinct is Halo because I fucking love Halo, and I've never fucking played GoldenEye. I'm really so not I could bi- be dead wrong. Yeah, no, but I'm not biased, and I still agree with the Halo assessment. Like, regenerating health. Halo is a game that popularized regenerating health. Full stop. Yeah, yeah, it did. 
like, shit. Yeah, that influenced stuff that was well outside the shooter genre, and in the shooter genre as well. Yep. Yeah. All right. Um, Eric asks, "What would you want from a new time splitters?" Oh shit. Okay, this is a question I can actually field. What would I want from a new time splitters? Okay, first things first. I'm assuming that the game has the current feature set. Roughly the same feature set as all existing time as all existing time splitters game. Um, I guess the biggest thing would be actual true modding support. That would probably okay. be the biggest one. Be- okay, so for reference, have you ever played Time Splitters? I have not. Okay, Time Splitters' entire deal is that game was essentially the console version of like a build your own game game. It also had a campaign that was super good and multiplayer that was also super good and mini games that were also super good because Time Splitters fucking rules. Um, but it was a game with an extremely extensive level editor that like let you make your own levels and your own campaigns with like actual fucking triggers and all sorts of like actual really powerful, if very basic tools. Um, and in keeping with that, think like the little big planet of like arcadey shooters. Okay. Think like that. That's relatively close to what those games were. Um, in keeping with that, I think like actual true modding support would be what I want to see most in that, at least at face value. Um, otherwise, just keep everything more or less the same. I, I feel like Time Splitters absolutely holds up. Um, I guess maybe modernize the control scheme, but I feel like they'd be doing that anyway. That that feels like a natural. Um, okay. Yeah, otherwise, I, I think true modding support must. Sounds good. Yep. All right. Uh, also from Emily, completely unrelated to the theme, would you date a robot? Yes. All right. Well, she, she, she has an addendum. Like the metal kind, no synthetic flesh, but sentient and autonomous. Yes. Okay. Um, I'm going to say it depends on the robot. <laughs> it depends and possibly are like the two best. Two best, absolute best possible answers you can give, by the way. Don't commit until you have to. Okay. All right, sure. Yep. And uh, yep. a- apologies if you can hear that. Someone in my apartment is vacuuming. Sorry about that. Um, so uh, this one's from Dan. Uh, what's the first FPS you remember playing and or the first one you really enjoyed? Doom. And Doom. Okay. One. All right, yeah. Um, for me... Uh, first one I played was, again, Halo. Uh, first one I really, really, really loved was Team Fortress 2. Team Fortress 2 consumed my life. Like, I have put literally, I think, at least 3,000 hours Wait, into that game. Hold on. Rewind. What was the question? It was the first one you played and then what? And then the first one you really enjoyed. Oh, yeah. Doom and Doom, then. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. But, yeah, Team Fortress 2 fucking consumed my life. I, uh... I was an admin on one of the Reddit Team Fortress 2 servers, uh, Reddit Midwest Chicago. Um, you know, sh- shout-outs to fucking anybody who remembers that shit. I wound up being kind of known as the sort of the silly admin, the one who would fucking summon the headless horseman on any map where, they, where that thing fucking worked. Um, I was all about shit like balloon race and... Um, Fucking giving everybody giant heads once that functionality was added, and just sh- like giving people no clip, and then going into the skybox and then fucking around up there, like that kind of shit. Um, but like, yeah, just TF2, fucking, god, fucking love that game. I, I don't play it anymore. I haven't played it in years, partly because I got all burned out, and partly because I got kind of, 
I got kind of put off by all the fucking uh, weapon balance or lack thereof, I would you say. You got put off by Valve being shit. Kind of, yeah. 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 Um, but but like like I was saying, I, 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 think I, I think according to the Steam counter, which, I mean, take that with a grain of salt, I, I've put at least 3,000 hours into that game. And that is not counting the time that I put into the orange box on the three on the uh, on the uh, Xbox. Was was that Xbox or Xbox three sixty? Uh, Xbox three sixty was the orange box. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I, I put I, I even put some time into that game in its fucking vanilla form on the fucking three sixty. And even then, there were people fucking hacking uh, with that. I remember. Here's the thing: I've never really played Half Life, so what was weird to me is like there were people who would hack. Um, the 360 version of the orange box, and so you'd go into like uh, the TF2 map uh, Dust Bowl, and then fucking like the the fucking tower from Half Life 2 would just spawn into the middle of the map because people were fucking around. Yeah, and people would like spawn in like ragdoll fucking like headcrab models and shit. Yeah, yeah. Man, it was fucking bizarre. I, I remember that happening too. Yeah, it, it's weird because who who would mod their Xbox just to spawn TF2 to spawn Half Life Two assets into a TF2 map while other people were playing? It's like a lot of times I, the people who were hacking weren't even like cheating; they were just like dicking around yeah, while they everyone were just, they were played. just farting around. Yeah, um, <laughs> but okay, so yeah, so that was that was what was happening. But yeah, TF2 I guess that's fucking, technically cheap, but like whatever. Yeah, um, let's see. This one's this one's from uh, Zach from Teenagers with Attitude. It says, "What's your favorite weird gun in a shooter?" Um, the cerebral bore comes to mind immediately. Okay, the cerebral bore was a weapon in either Torok or Torok Two, and it was like this weird fucking like flechette dart thing that would fire a projectile that bored into your opponent's skull and explode their head like it was a like that scene from Scanners. Nice. Um, I'm trying to think of, like, other weapons. Um, the cannon from, like, Serious Sam 2 would be, like, another one. Um, there was the quadruple-barreled shotgun. Basically, all the weapons from Bulletstorm. If I had to pick one, it would probably be, again, either the cannon or the quadruple-barreled shotgun. Or, no, actually, you know what it would be? It'd be that fucking remote-controlled drill rocket where you could, like, shish-kebab multiple people, and they'd, like, ragdoll and spin around, and they'd, like, fountain blood everywhere, and you could, like, shish-kebab, like, eight people at once, and then, like, slam them into an explosive crate and just jib them all. Yeah, that game is fucking sweet. <laughs> I think that's actually probably it. It's probably the remote-controlled drill gun from fucking uh, Bulletstorm. All right, cool. Lots of competition, um, though. For, for me, this is uh, this is kind of pushing the definition of shooter, but I'm going to go back to Ratchet and Clank. Uh, the bouncer from Ratchet Two and Three, uh, that fucking that giant fucking grenade where you where it'd be it'd be a big like kind of bouncy ball, and then it would explode into smaller bouncy balls, and then it would explode into smaller bouncy balls, and it explode into smaller bouncy balls until all these just tiny little like grenades are just fucking bouncing around everywhere, making this clinking noise, and it was just fucking sweet. Um, if it has to be from, like, a proper shooter, um... You'd always just say the BFG. Well, that's the thing, is I've never really played a Doom game, is the thing. Oh. Um, I'm... Yeah, I I don't know. Uh, honestly, probably, uh, Roadhog's shotgun in Overwatch. I like the idea of a shotgun that has an alt fire where it fires forward X distance and then does the spread. 
So it's kind of like a ranged shotgun. It's a, it's it's really weird. I'm surprised you didn't say like an SMNC gun, like the Wascot's like fake coin launcher or something like that. Uh, Wascot's fake coin launcher is kind of not not great. It's not, but it's a weird weapon. The, the, thing, the thing is, what I tended to do in SMNC, and this is also part of why I, like, despite all the time I spent in TF2, didn't really like talk about any of those guns, is I tend to play like support classes, and they're not known for having great guns. Yeah, or like, and if like, they do like, have a like okay part of the gun. reason I was even wrecking my brain to pick like an Overwatch weapon is like I tend to play Lucio, and his gun is dog shit. Yeah, like just Although flat I, out. I his think Zach specified sucks. like weird gun, not like good gun necessarily. What, what yeah. was the question? What was the question? Uh, it was it was it was favorite weird gun. Favorite weird gun. Okay, yeah, Lucio's gun is not a favorite though. That gun is ass. Yeah, like for obvious. I mean, I like the concept but... of it. It's a music gun that shoots that shoots sound waves, and because he's a music man who does like techno music, it shoots uh, four rounds a shot. Just oh, four, four I never, time. I never fucking picked up on that. Wow, that's awesome. But yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but in terms of, I, hmm, yeah, but that's. It's not a favorite though, because the gun itself sucks. Um, I, yeah, this is obviously something that's subjective. Another gun you could debatably include: Sunset Overdrive, and that weird fucking gun that shot tiny little corporate jury rigged corporate mascots that fountained cor- fountained corrosive acid everywhere. That gun probably makes the list somewhere. Sunset okay. Overdrive, by the way, T dot same people who made Ratchet. It's Insomniac. Yeah, yeah, same, yeah. Oh, I know, yeah. I know. I just I don't have an Xbox One, so. Yeah, I I don't either. I borrowed my brother came back for the holidays and I was able to beat play and beat that game there. It's very very good. Um, it's a shame it's never yeah. going to come out on anything. Oh man, here's here's what just to me. It's not a weird gun, but it's a fucking great gun. The fucking Magnum from Resident Evil Four. Oh yeah, fucking broken butterfly. I think it was called. Yeah. Yeah, that gun was fucking sweet. Just like one dig, somebody blow their fucking head off in one shot. Yeah, man, that gun ruled. Yeah, and you only ever you only ever find like ammo for that thing like three times throughout the course of the game, but like, but if you're if you're smart about how you use the uh, the fucking merchant, you can keep that thing loaded. But like, yeah, yeah, and also it's the sort of gun where you don't need much ammo, assuming you're placing your shots well, because of, like two shots like fucking everything. If yeah. even it one shots a fuck ton of enemies in that game. God, yeah, the broken butterfly's sweet. That gun rules. Yeah. All right. Um. Okay. So another from Eric. Uh, everyone knows of the masterpiece Chex Quest, but what current brand would you like to see in a first-person shooter game? It doesn't have to be serial. Um, current brand? Yeah, like a fucking weird, like, Chex Quest, uh, was, it was like a thing that reskinned Doom to be about the serial Chex. <laughs> what? Yeah, it was a whole thing. Holy shit, okay, I need to go look that up after this episode's over. Um, a brand? Yeah, like just just fucking take a, a shooter and just slap a brand name on it for no good reason. Um, I'm gonna go with Gatorade because I have some Gatorade bottles in front of me. Okay, and I have no good answer to this question. I, I feel I feel like you're that no 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 we can do this we can do this because like um your your berserker mode is is the glowy sweat. <laughs> oh my god it does like the mon when you go into like your power mode it does like the monochrome thing where you have like the red sweat glowing oh yeah you have yeah, like, the, the whole world powering. goes black and white except for your character and you're, you're you've got that like fucking green sweat 
And you're just, but like the best part, no, you have like the red sweat because it goes monochrome except for red and you're just like shooting actual enemies with like an actual gun and they're actually like screaming and bleeding, but it's just set to the backdrop of Powerade for some reason. Like the game is actually super dark, but the characters just drink Powerade and talk about Powerade occasionally. Oh man, that game would be fucking terrible. It'd be sweet. <laughs> oh man, okay. Um... Okay, uh, this one's from Jordan, uh, a, a different Jordan from the other Jordan that was Jordan. It, like we got more than one Jordan. Um, it says he says, "I will assume you have given both GoldenEye and Perfect Dark a try. Um, if not, give a reason." And I gave my reason. I didn't really play N sixty four games. I played both of them. Yep. Uh, and they say, "So I was wondering, what type of settings and matches were your favorite slash the funniest? Did you ever just play with nothing but explosives, uh, just throwing knives and tranks, stuff like that?" We were a big fan of automatics for some reason in Perfect Dark. Um, okay. We just really liked all the automatics in that game, particularly like the Cyclone and that one fucking gun that could dump its entire clip in like one second. It was a special alt fire it had. Obviously, you had shit like all explosives was funny. All far sights in Perfect Dark was pretty great. We liked playing gimmick matches with all clobs in GoldenEye. I think everybody did that occasionally just because the clob was so fucking shit. God, that gun sucked. Okay. Um, yeah, I think like all explosives, all far sights, um, all clubs, and all automatics were kind of like our cycling go tos. Obviously, we'd play a lot of just like whatever the default was as well, because the defaults in those games are typically fine. Okay. For fun matches. Yeah. All right. Um, well, I, I, I haven't played, again, I didn't really play Goldeneye or Perfect Dark, but again, I mentioned Halo. I loved playing with fucking all rocket launchers. Just give everybody rocket launchers all the time. Yeah. Yeah. That was that was my jam. We always liked vehicles, lots of vehicle shit in Halo. That yeah. was always kind of our go-to, was like tanks and warthogs and shit. And yeah. like larger games. Obviously like four-man didn't work as well, but like... Yeah. Um, Jordan actually lists, he says, as a perfect favorite uh, was what we called troll hunting, where we threw in as many AIs as possible, but with the gray alien body and normal heads, making them short and hard to hit. Then set them to pacifist mode, where they'd go around gathering up the weapons, uh, sneak up and disarm you, leaving you groggy, and generally make you paranoid throughout the match. <laughs> that mode sounds fucking awesome. Yeah. Holy it, shit. It says, uh, he continues, if we were really insane, we'd turn on one-hit kills and put in knives. <laughs> um, being disarmed wouldn't get you killed, but if you were punched, you would die. Sometimes you'd be in a corner, back to the wall as a bunch of AIs came at you. You'd start firing wildly, hoping you'd get them all and not run out of bullets before they get to you, only to suddenly die to a thrown knife right between the eyes. Excellent. That mode sounds fucking badass. I'm on board with it. Alright. And let's see, this is our last question. Uh, this is from Eric. What would you do to revitalize the Turok uh, series in the same way they've recently revitalized Doom? Oh, fuck. Okay, this is a good question, actually. Um, I do want to add that, like, like uh, the immediate responses to this comment are mostly along the lines of make it good instead of Turok, basically. I think Turok actually holds up okay. It's not great, but it's better than a lot of games from that era. Um, obvious frame rate issues aside. Like, you can kind of see that with, like, that's the interesting thing about, like, playing, like, the PC version of that game or, like, watching, I've played the PC version myself, but, like, watching people play, like, the updated PC port that actually, like, runs at a reasonable frame rate and doesn't have insane vision fog. Certain aspects of that game actually hold up pretty well. Other aspects of that game, not so much. Um, 
But yeah, modernized Turok. That's a really tough question. It's a good question, but it's a really tough question because I feel like there are... I feel like there are a bunch of ways you could go about that. I guess okay. the I question... I mean, I've never played a Turok game, so this one's all on you. Okay, so... Turok games kind of defined by having really weird weapons, really, really, really fast gameplay, and fairly diverse enemy sets. Um, not, not, in, not too far from something like Doom. Um, hmm. In the interest of time and also in the interest of copping out, I'm just going to say make it like Doom 2016, but you don't really have to but play it more straight than Doom because the fucking bizarre source material creates humor and a sense of self-awareness that, well, Doom's material did as well, but Doom was at least like a little more grotesque on face. I don't know. I'd say play it, make it like Doom, play it slightly more straight, and call it a day. I'm only saying that in the interest of time, mind you, because I could actually think about this for a while, but I don't want to because I'm hungry and I'm tired. Good question, okay. though. Yeah. All right. And uh, I think that's going to be it for us for now. So uh, if you want to ask us any questions, uh, know what topics are coming up, or suggest future topics, uh, hit us up on Twitter at GShaped. That is at G-S-H-A-P-E-D on Twitter. Um, we'll you know, send out calls for questions and just kind of just, you know, keep, keep tabs on what, what all's going on with our shit. And, uh, you can hear our podcast, other episodes of our podcast and other podcasts that are generally better than ours, uh, on audioentropy.com. And, um, I think that's pretty much it. You got anything you want to plug, dude? You don't ever really plug anything. No, I'm good. Uh, I still have my secret Twitter. You can follow if you like terrible fucking shit posting and just generally awful bullshit. Uh, you might not want to, for all the reasons I just said, though. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you want to follow me, um, I'm at Mike Loves Rabbit. I mostly just retweet shit, though. So, you know. I mean, if you follow that Twitter, you can request, like, hentai recommendations. That's something I can do for you. That's a service I can provide. I won't provide you, like, garbage either. Just give me a genre. I'll find something. To be clear, your Twitter, not mine, for that. Yes. Yes. <laughs> My Twitter, not Mike's. Don't ask Mike for his favorite hentais. That's, that's maybe a little invasive if they individual in in question hasn't explicitly okayed that sort of behavior just that's a that's a bit of advice bit of life advice right there well it's mostly that i don't really have any handy so like i don't know like i straight up wouldn't have an answer i know for a fact you have at least a couple of like series in your wheelhouse not really it's yeah really okay i mean like i mean don't don't get me wrong i'm 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 a fucking (laughs) fucking perverted weirdo as well but like i don't really (laughs) <laughs> I don't have I don't have a, I don't have a lineup of the fucking like but here's I'm my, not, I'm my not horny a gro- Japanese mangas handy like I don't have anything like I'm that. I'm not a grotesque asshole, Matt. <laughs> God damn it. No, I mean okay. I am, but I just I don't have that specific flavor of grotesqueness ready to go. I mean, I let me tell you about Daujins or not. Probably no, let's, not. Let's not. Let's- um anyway, so um Speaking of which, uh, foregoing pear-shaped, I've been Mike. I've been Matt. And always remember, diddle yourself constantly. Also, if you want to see a lot of furry porn to diddle yourself to, E621. Look it up. Oh, boy. (laughs) Are you going to cut that? No. Okay. Okay.